In the Squarespace Super Bowl ad, John Malkovich is screaming into the phone at his namesake. You see, John wants to launch a website, but he's finding the hard part is not in creating the website, it's just in getting his name back. And you know this is the message Squarespace is trying to send. The hard part in creating a website is not in creating the website. So let's think about that as photographers. If you're a photographer, by now you should have a website. And you know that the easy part in creating a website is not in creating a website. The difficult part in creating a website now is in creating a website that works. How do you build a photography website that works? That's what we'll talk about in today's episode, episode 96 of the Shutterbug Life podcast. You're listening to the Shutterbug Life podcast. It's a place for beginners to enthusiast photographers. You want to get better. You want to create something special, but you don't necessarily want to be a full-time pro. Well, join me every week as we talk about strategies for creating great pictures, building an audience, and making an impact with your images. I'm your photo coach and host, Linford Morton, but of course, you can call me Lynn. Let's have some fun. This is our Shutterbug Life. Hey there, welcome to episode 96 of the podcast. I am so glad you are with me today because today we're going to talk websites. And we've talked blogs before. I've talked about why you need a photography blog, and I, I made the case for that about a year ago. And now we're going to talk about websites in particular. Because I, I know that a lot of us have our own websites, and which is why I said, hey, if you even if you have a website, you still ought to have a blog as well, um, for reasons that I laid out in uh, in that episode. I'll have a link to it in the show notes if you missed it. But for those of us who have not yet created a website, and for those of us who may already have a website, but you're not sure you're getting the most from it or the best out of it, that's what I want to talk about today. How you create your own photography website and how you create one that works. I'm going to lay out a, a, a roadmap for you in this episode, episode 96. Back in 1990-something, during the early days of the web, I asked my friend Mike, who owned his own ad agency, how I could create my own website. Mike flashed his salesman's smile and said, oh, it's so easy, Linford. All you have to do is get a designer to create your design for you. Then you need a developer to turn that design into a web template. Then you have to add your own content. We can help you with that, of course. And then you need to find someone who will maintain it for you. 
we can help you with that, of course. But what if I want to do it myself, Mike? <laughs> if you can do all that yourself, then good luck, he shrugged. That was then. Now, it's much different. In fact, these days, it's so much simpler to create a website. And as a photographer, if you want to get your work seen, if you want to sell your work, then you really should have a site of your own. So today, we're going to lay out a roadmap to help you build your own photography website. All right, so let's go through. We're going to have three main things to think about and steps within each of these main sections. The first is you want to start strategically. I love the start with the end in mind guidance. And so I always try to do that. And so when you're building a website, you want to start with a clear goal. What do you want your photography website to do for you? Why do you want this website? I know everyone has a website. Everyone says you should have a website. But for you, why? Why do you want it? What do you want it to do? At the end of the day, at the end of the year, at the end of whatever time period, what do you want to be different because you've had this website? For many of us, it's just, I just want somewhere to show my work. I want somewhere to 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 have an example of my best. It's like a calling card, a business card, if you will, a brochure. Today's brochure is the website. It's, hey, this is me and my photography. Check it out. For some who are looking to build, remember, part of what we do here at Shutterbook Life is to help you, you know, build a following. And a, a website can be a tool to help you do that. You can use it strategically to help you begin to build a following of people who will know who you are and follow your work and become fans of what you create. You can use it to sell your images. You might not be a, someone who wants to be a full-time professional, but you might still want to sell some images. And your website can help you do that. Or you might want to just have more people book you. You want to rather, you rather sell your services as a photographer. If someone decides they want you to shoot an event or a, a, a family or a wedding or whatever it is you see that you like to shoot, you want peop more people like them to find you and book you. So that might be a goal for your website. But just know that your website ought to have one of those goals. You've got to tell your website what you want it to do for you, or it's just going to be a glorified, not postcard, but if you will, yeah, a glorified postcard. It's not going to say a lot, and it definitely won't do anything. So stop and, and, and think for a moment about what you want this what do you want the job of this website to be? Next, you know that you have to pick a name for your site and or business if you have one. You have to have a name for your site. And what you want to do is pick a short descriptive name 
that tells who you are and what you do. I remember a long time ago, I used to love picking these clever and cutesy names for my websites and or slash businesses. And uh, my little sister, who is uh, a marketing person also, gave me some counsel. She said, quit picking names that don't tell me what you do, because the first marketing job of your business name is to tell me whether or not I should stop and pay attention to you. And if you have a lot of money to advertise and uh, tell people what you do, that's great. But if you're not going to spend a lot of ad money on advertising, then the name ought to be the first thing that tells them that. And I always thought, man, that little girl is smart. She's not a little girl, <laughs> of course, but, you know, um, that's the thing, right? So your name ought to, whatever you decided that you want this to do for you, you ought to have a name that reinforces that so that if anyone happens upon or bumps into this website by accident, they can look at the name right away and know what's going on. They don't have to wonder, what does that mean? What's this site about? Why am I here? You want it to be just absolutely clear, either with your name or your subhead or your tagline, exactly what's going on here and exactly why someone would want to stay. So try and choose a name that's short and descriptive, and it's always cool if you either have your name or or your function, the word photography, or something else that makes it very specific what your site is about. I used to write for businesses a while ago. I used to write for the Franchise Association. I used to be a freelance writer for them. And I would do all these profiles of all these businesses and one of the most frustrating things used to be, and these are, you know, well-established businesses, they'd want you to write a profile on them. And I said, okay, cool, I'll go to your website and see what I can learn about you. And I would scour the website and not, could not find one declarative sentence that says, this is who we are and what we do. And it was, so, I, I could only imagine, imagine how frustrating that must be for a customer who's trying to find out what's going on here. So, make it obvious and stick it in your name if you can. Decide who it's for and make that very clear to visitors. Don't make them guess that either. Who is this for? When someone comes on your website, that's the first thing they're wondering. is this, Who is this for? Is this for me? And just because you're a photographer doesn't mean it's for me. If you're a photographer who does pictures of babies, and I'm not into babies, it's not for me. If you're a pet photographer, and I don't like pets, it's not for me. And if you are someone who loves to take pictures of landscapes, and I find that boring, it's not for me. But if you shoot street photography, and I love street photography, that's for me. If this is a site where I can learn how to be a better portrait photographer, that's and that's what I want to do, that's for me. And so in this age where people are more and more trying to focus on people who are targeting specifically what they're looking for, 
you want to make that obvious. This is for me. And for many people, it's just a matter of just saying, this is for you. Let me give you an example. I recently ran across a photographer's website. Her name's Kate Lauren, and she operates Kate Lauren Studios. I'll have a link to her in the show notes for episode 96. Anyway, when you come to the first page of her website, you see some hands of, I'm guessing, a father hold, cradling the head of a, a small baby. And it says, well, hello there. And then you scroll down and it says, I'm Kate Lorne, a Connecticut photographer who wants to document your firsts. Your first kiss as a husband and wife, your baby's first steps, your personal milestones. Now, I've spent at this point 10 seconds on Kate's website and I immediately, I immediately know whether or not this website is for me. If I'm planning a wedding, I know it's for me, my first kiss as a husband and wife. If I'm a new parent and I, I want to have my, my, my baby photographed, I know it's for me. And if I have any other significant milestones, I know as a family photographer, this is the right place for me. And if I am looking for someone to photograph my event at work, I know this is not for me. It's very clear who this is, who this site is for. She says, I want to document your firsts. And, and that's such a, and that's a clever way of, of, of saying that I'm a wedding and baby and uh, lifestyle photographer. It makes it very specific and concrete who should be here. And so, the people who she's trying to reach lock in and everyone else moves on. And that's what you want when your website's working for you. So you have to you have to make it clear who it's for. And of course, you have to decide who the website is. Who do you want this website to attract? You have to be very clear about that. And then everything else you do now can begin to help you create the environment where you attract the people you want to attract and uh, the people who who aren't, who you don't want in your circle can move on. Because the last thing you want is someone in your circle who you don't need there, who you don't want there, who does not um, have a purpose there. Okay, good. So decide who it's for. And then you want to choose the personality. Like, who are you? The interesting thing is we all have our personalities, right? You meet somebody, you start talking to them, you go, and you know, I like him or I like her. I like their personality. Maybe because they're laid back. Maybe it's because they're curious. Maybe because they're intense. Maybe because they're just funny. Maybe it's because they are are irreverent. Maybe because they are reverent. It's like... Whatever it is that appeals to you about them, it's usually because that personality connects with yours. And the same thing can be said for your website. It can have the kind of personality that can make me go, I like her. I like him. I I, want to hang around with them more often. So what's your personality? And, And can you show it on the pages of your website? What do I mean by that? As you write and begin to describe who you are and what you do, you write the way you talk, 
right? You, you the what the last thing you want to do is write in a uptight, flowerly, flowerly, what's the word? Flowery language that doesn't sound anything like you. I, I was in this uh, mastermind-ish group, this group of uh, of business owners, and we're all and. We we're saying, okay, what can I, and one of the, the, the members of the group, it's about three or four of us was saying, you know, I, I made this page on my website and it, it just, I, I'm not feeling it. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with it. Can you all take a look at it and tell me? Now, she had this really bubbly, effervescent personality. When she was on the air, you always knew she was around because she was like, whoa, out there. She was just so much fun in terms of her personality. You could, you just, you just heard her smile whenever she spoke. And then you read the site and it was, you know, it was one of these very boring and staid things. And I said, Julie, there's no Julie in this. This just feels like a boring encyclopedia entry. You got to give some, put some Julie into this because the people who know you, who like you, who want to be around you, it's because of who you are and, and that thing that you give off in your personality that says, I'm so much fun, you want to hang out with me, right? So you've got to now find a way to infuse that into your website, into the website words you use, into the pictures you choose, into the overall attitude. If you find things, if you are always fun, then you've got to make the website feel fun. And for instance, that, well, hello there, welcome that you get when you, when you go to to the to Kate's website, Katie's Kate Lawrence website. Well, oh there, you know that was just such a fun and and uh, I don't know that's such a different way of welcoming you in that it gives you an, an idea of what her personality is because we are looking to see if we want to hang out with you, if we want to hang out with your work, and we will make some of that decision based on the personality we get, all right? So good, you got all that part down. Then this is the hard part. All of that, the rest is now, we're just, it's not technical stuff almost, right? Next, you wanna select your platform. Now, a great majority of the websites on the web are powered by WordPress. And WordPress is an open source, meaning anyone can develop or, or create for it. And it gives you, because of it is open source, it gives you maximum flexibility, which is why you find a great majority of people using it. If you have a WordPress site, what you end up doing is buying a place to host it. Once you have your hosting set, then you want to create the look and feel. And for most people, you go and purchase what's called a theme. And you have these themes that you can get from literally thousands of developers, and you just pick the one that's closest to what you want. Now, because it's open source and because you are picking themes from lots of developers, and you are going to further customize your theme by getting plugins from other developers what you run into quickly is when something is not working, you have to figure out if it's the theme or the plugin. And there's no help desk to help you figure out which one is giving you the problem. Even more fun, you have to figure out how you make all these different themes and plugins work 
and become compatible in many cases. And so this is the, the, the I guess, the downside if you are very not technically inclined. So WordPress gives you maximum flexibility, but along with that comes the, um, the added layer of complexity in that you have to be able to get in there and get under the hood and troubleshoot if something isn't working properly. I I decided that was too technical for me. And as a creative, I just wanted to create. And so I went with one of the next options, which is one of the all-in-one solutions. So you can get an all-in-one solution from a site like Squarespace or Wix or Weebly or any one of those. And they will create, they will give you all the tools you need to create your site. They will host it for you. You will get your own template from them. And for many of them, you can customize your template as much as you'd like to make it as personal as you'd like. But the functionality that you get is going to be only what they provide. Now, most of them provide all the functionality you should need, but if they don't, you're you're stuck. And that's the difference, difference between that and WordPress, where you just go in and get a plugin to, to bring in any functionality you want to use. So Squarespace and Wix and Weebly, those sites give you all-in-one. And then there's the, a similar kind of all-in-one platform, but they're created specifically for photographers. These Squarespace, Wix, and Weebly, those are created for anyone who wants to create a website. If you want to do one specifically for photography, then you've got SmugMug or Zenfolio or Photo Shelter as three sites that are designed specifically for photographers. And, and because they are, the functionality should include everything a photographer would need. Everything from not just hosting your site, but hosting the galleries and showcasing the galleries and disabling the right click so people can't steal your images. And uh, also creating a place for you to present your images to clients if you want to be them to be able to preview galleries giving them a place to purchase your images if if you are a fine art photographer or if you are an event photographer or if you photograph for clients specifically they can go through they can proof their images and they can purchase and in many cases these sites are set up so that they can be fulfilled all from one location you don't have to go anywhere else all the functionality you need as a photographer is built in Photo Shelter has um, the uh, the added layer of it being designed or created for commercial photographers, and so any other um, search engine optimization or marketing that you might need, they also cater to that too. And then there's a new category of these kinds of sites coming up. I ran across one the other day called Show It 5, and they do all the same things. It's sort of uh, the drag and drop um, approach that you get from a Squarespace with the with the focus of creatives and photography that you would get from a smug mug. But one of the things they have that I think that is kind of cool is you can export once you've created the website, you can export it as a WordPress theme so that if you decide to go back to WordPress with Show It 5, you can create your own WordPress theme, all right? So what these all have in common is you pay for them monthly, and usually you end up paying between between 10 to 20 bucks a month, which is reasonable for that kind of service. 
What you want to do is stay away from the freebies because you get what you pay for. It will look like a freebie. It will look like you aren't serious. It will look like you don't know what you're doing. It will not perform as well as the others. You won't have the maximum uptime, meaning it's always connected. You will not have anyone stand you know, there to help you fix it. And you will not be able to brand it completely as your own. Because usually whoever is giving you the free site wants their logo on it as well as yours. So keep that in mind. You get what you pay for. So you want to select a platform. Now, once you've done that, you want to include these elements. Simple, standard navigation. Don't make me work to find my way around. I have seen sites where they thought it would be cute to have their own words for stuff like services or pricing or location or whatever it is. And so they want to call it blue and green and purple and whatever. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. I don't know where to go. And now I'm having to struggle finding my way around your website and I get frustrated and confused. And a confused mind always says no. Nah, I don't want to be bothered. No, I don't want to work with these people. No, they're just too cute for me. No, I'm not spending any more time on this website. So remember, simple. For the most part, we have come to understand and recognize a few standard navigational elements. You, you expect a home. You expect the services of some kind or products. You expect an about page. You expect a contact page. Label those for me so I can find them and don't make me work for it. Because while it's fun for you as the person who's making it, it's never fun for the person on the other end of the of the website trying to just trying to find what I'm looking for. Importantly, you want to always define for yourself and for your visitors what the next action for them should be. Because you have to tell people what you want them to do, or they won't know what to do, or they'll decide on their own to move on. Meaning, when you come to the bottom of a page, what what do you want me to do next? Do you want me to go to the next page, or do you want me to move on? And you need to have something that's that, and a cool way to do that is to have maybe a question. Do you want to learn more about our services? Go to our services page, and then have a link at the bottom of that page. Because it's so much simpler if wherever I finish reading, I can just click a link and move on. And if you want me to do something else, have a big old button there that tells me what to do. Go to my Facebook page. Download my free app. um, Schedule some time to talk. Whatever it is you want me to do, make it obvious that this is what I should do next. So you should decide. What's the next action? What do you want me to do at the end of my page or at the end of the visit to your website? What do you want the website to do? If the website is there to to get you business, then maybe you want me to call or or email or set up some time to to talk. If you want to if you, if it's to to have me engage with you, then maybe you want me to join your Facebook page or follow you on Instagram. I don't know what you want me to do. Like, where do you want me to go next? Because your your goal should be to keep a relationship going with that person. And however you want to keep that relationship going, whether it is going to 
a, a social media page where we can continue connecting or maybe da- or maybe joining a mailing list so you can continue reaching out to me or however you decide that should work. You need to decide what that next action should be. How you get them into the community and how do you get them to keep in contact with you and keep coming back to your website if that's what you want, because most people will not come back on their own without some kind of prompt. Um, you want to be you want to spend some time thinking ab- about your about page because your about page is usually for many sites one of the most visited pages. Most people will get on a site, look around, see what it is, and then they look for the about page to see who the heck you are. That's right. They check you out. It's sort of like you meet somebody and before you go on an interview or a date or a meeting, you usually run a quick Google search to see who they are. Well, they don't have to do that when they're on your site. They just go to your about page and hopefully your about page is going to give them enough information about who you are and what you do and why you do it, most importantly, so that they can say, yes, I can connect with this person. I like her work. I like who she is. Let's take this to the next step and whatever that next step is as you define it. So you want to have an about page. This is where you get to tell your story and your why and give a little history into um, what it's like to work with you or to shoot with you or to, to, to connect with you. Of course, you know that you want to have galleries of your best work. And in this case, less is always better. People don't want to look at 100 images. Try and get between between 10 to 20 of your best. And if and it's your best as not just you find it, but also as people outside and not just photographers. You know, I would say, you know, have three to five people look and uh, at 20 pictures and, and force them to narrow it down to 10. Don't ask them if they like it, yes or no. Say, of these 20, which are the 10 best? And force them to decide and then ask them why they pick so you get an idea of what people are going for. And don't just ask other photographers. Ask people who are along the lines of the kinds of people you want to attract with your with your website. So if you are hoping to get moms to come to your website and book you to photograph their babies, then show 20 images to moms and ask them what they think. Get people who are closest to the people who you hope to attract to give you feedback on your galleries. And then, of course, you always want to include some contact info. Do not make people work to find how to reach you. If you've done all the work this far to make people go, yes, this is the right place. Yes, this is the right person. Yes, I want to hang out. Yes, I want to see more of this person's work. Don't make them work to find out how to reach you if they want to. Say, hey, how do I buy a print? Or, hey, how do I get in touch and book you? Or, hey, how do I you know, keep in contact with you? Don't make them work. Make it easy. Have a contact page that's clearly, clearly marked. And for me, I like to have contact information in the footer of every page if I'm doing that kind of work so that they know how to find me. So keep Make your contact information 
very readily available. And then next, if you are using this as a sales tool, meaning you're trying to to sell, it's a good idea to have pricing information or pricing guidance of some kind. Because most people want to have an idea what price range you're in, and they don't want to have to call you to find that out. Call me for pricing. Most people aren't going to call you for pricing. I, I don't know how many times you've said, I'm going to call them for pricing, or I'm just going to go look to see who else has pricing first. So while you are thinking your your competitors are looking at your pricing data, if someone really likes you, then uh, then that's what's going to be most important. And it's most important to try and attract them. Don't worry about the people who are who are scoping you out to try and uh, you know, find out what your pricing structure is. They'll figure it out one way or the other if they want to. You know, they'll pretend to be clients and call you, whatever. You just just know that those kinds of people will find find a way. And you don't want to end up repelling business just because of those people. Have an abundance mindset. And, you know, let people know what you're worth. Um, it will get people to come to you if they think this is what they want. All right. Next, if you are in, if you are along the lines of if you're trying to attract business, always remember to include your location, the location where you shoot, the city, the county, the the neighborhood, the community of any kind. I mean, those kinds of things that become differentiators because most people, if they're looking, that's what they Google for. They Google for a photographer in my fill in your city here, fill in your town here, fill in your community here. Um, so whatever that is, you want to put, you know, I am Jimmy John photographer in Muskogee. So that when people in Muskogee Google for Muskogee photographer, Google returns you as one of the options, right? So make sure you put your location there. However, it will differentiate and have you stand out. Uh, one of the things you often, one of the things you want to do is put put a portrait there. And, you know, these days people do business with pe- business with people. And we do people, we know we're people because it's not a big faceless website with full of uh, pictures of, of just hills and mountains and or maybe stock photography. We want to see a face. We want to see a smiling face and know that, oh, this is the person I'm going to be working with. And it's so important because this is how we connect. We connect with other people. And if you you can't show yourself to be a person, then you make it tough for people to who who might want to do business with you to feel connected enough to want to reach out to you. You'd be surprised the difference this makes. And the other thing is, is don't say that you 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 ha- you're too busy or you can't have a photograph of yourself taken because if you are in the photography business and you can't get a photo- you can't get a photograph of yourself, to me that says a lot about you as a photographer. So no reason why you shouldn't be able to get a, fr- a photograph of yourself taken. That fills the frame with you and helps me as a potential client, customer, fan connect with you. Then you want to create, you want to include your social links, right? So it's a given that people are going to want to see what you are doing on social media. 
Don't make me work for that. You know I'm looking for your Instagram page. You know I want, if if I'm a Facebook person, I want to find your Facebook page or your Twitter page if I'm a Twitter person. You ought to have at least two platforms. And if you if you listen to any of my social media, I have two podcast episodes. Well, one podcast episode and one set of videos on social media for photographers. And they all give the same advice. Pick two or three platforms there where you're going to go deep. And, and and go deep on those, and you want to list those prominently because it gives people another opportunity to connect with you in your world. All right? All right, so that's the second section. And then the final section, and the next section is some performance improvements. You want to make sure that your website works well mobile optimized. Most people today will see your website first from their phone or from their tablet. We don't all sit on computers much anymore. And you know this. I mean, are you listening to this podcast on a phone or a tablet? Chances are you are. And so you have to know this is how we all consume. So you want to take a, ch- a moment and look at how what your website looks like on easy, on all of those platforms and make sure it is... Um, it is performing well there. Next, next, you want to make sure you have that secure site. All This is a new thing that Google is doing. You see, rather than having HTTP, you have HTTPS, meaning that it's now a secure site. And Google is now giving preferences, preference to those sites with secure designation. Whenever you have the chance, keep it simple. Keep it simple. And that's a good watchword for you. And then finally, try and keep your website and blog on the same sites and platform if you can. Only because you will find that maintaining two sites becomes a bigger hassle than you think going in. It's always easy if you can go to one place and fix everything. And then the opposite uh, is you get the performance enhancement from that because your website gets the benefit of the updates you do for your blog and your blog gets the updates of the traffic from your website and it all helps each other. The rising tide lifts all boats. You want to keep it on the same site if you can. Now, in some of these platforms, when you create a new page, it will create a, a new page name for you, meaning the URL that it will create will be some random string of letters and numbers and dashes and crap like that. You want to get rid of that and create a URL that is uses the keywords or describes what that page is about. Because again, you're giving another signal to Google what this page is about and when we should return it in searches. So make sure that you have descriptive URL names for each page so that when I when I link to it, I know what it is. And when Google looks for it, Google knows what it is. Okay. You want to optimize your images, meaning you want to make sure the size of your image is large enough to be seen. There's nothing more frustrating than tiny images where I really can't tell what's going on. And for photography site, it's it's horrible because we are trying to judge your photography, not judge, but we're trying to evaluate whether or not we want to continue as a fan or clients or whatever. So we need to be able to see it. You want to make it large enough to be seen, which is usually 700 to 1000 pixels wide 
and not so large that it slows down. And so you want to have it compressed down to 72 DPI, or if you are in many of your your photography applications, you want to say save for web, and then the the your your application will do that for you. There's a new uh, there's a new format called JPEG Mini, which will compress it so that it loads very quickly because load times, great fast load times are really what you're going for here. And then make the file names of your images also something that reflects what the image is about. So name the image file something that reflects what the image is about. Again, it's another clue what this is, and it gives you more search engine engine optimization um, so that Google, you're helping Google. You want to help Google as much as you can send your, your image to people who are looking for the kinds of things that you share. And then finally, there's a thing called alt tag, which which writes out a description of what's in the image. So if someone has uh, something that says don't load images automatically, they can at least see what it is and before and know that they want to load it. All right. So you want to make sure you do all of those things as well for your website to to work more efficiently. And then finally, avoid these no no's. Know those stupid video intros. If I had Skype me site and I have to sit through a 20-second video before I can get to get to the site, I, I'm not gonna stay. I, I, I am notoriously so so frustrated by those things that I'm not alone. I, I'm impatient with that. And I if if I want to watch a video, I want to decide for myself that I want to watch a video. I don't want you to decide that for me because you think it's cute. No. No flash. You know, flash was this thing that they used a long time ago, and Steve Jobs famously tried to kill it. And uh, between him and Google, which can't read what's going on in Flash, so it can't help anyone search what's happening on the Flash site. Between those two reasons, you don't want to do it because if I'm on my iPad, I I can't see it anyway. And what's the point? No flash. Um, you might be tempted if you start to get a lot of traffic to put an ad on your site, but just remember, the point of an ad is to get someone to go so- somewhere else, away from your site. So you want to be careful not to move people away from your site if you don't have to until you get them to do whatever it is your site is designed to do. Make your site the destination first. I never understood why some people, when you go to their website, will have an ad pop-up that takes you somewhere else. That just seems like the dumbest thing to me because I want to stay on your site, which is why I came there to begin with. You're taking me to somebody else's site and I may never come back to yours. Good for them, not so good for you. Remember, you want to keep your load times down. If you've ever gone to a site and you you know, clicked on the site and nothing happened, you know that you just figured the site was down and you moved on. Again, people are notoriously impatient. You don't want to do that, all right? Make sure the site loads quickly and a lot of the optimization things we talked about will help with that, all right? So those are the things you can do if you want to create your own website for your photography, but you, if not only that, but if you want to make sure 
um, you create one that works. All right. So I hope that's helpful for you. Where are you in your website creation process anyway? Do you have a website now? Are you thinking about creating one? Has this been helpful? Let me know in the comments or even in uh, on the Facebook page where you are and what you think. All right. I'm so excited to see what you're working on. And I'm hoping that you are creating or fine-tuning your website to make it something that is going to be helpful in, in creating your own audience for your work. Hi, this is Lynn from ShutterbugLife.com. I am in Herald Square right now in Manhattan in the middle of New York City, and this is where we'll be kicking off our three-day photography workshop. Now, this is going to be a very cool three-day workshop because we're going to see a lot of New York City. We're going to get to learn, do a lot of photography um, workshops and principles along the way. We're going to be in uh, just across the city in general because we will be down in Brooklyn. We will be in Chinatown. We will be in Central Park. We will be in the Lower Manhattan Financial District. We will be in Midtown Manhattan. And throughout all of this, you will learn architectural photography. We'll do black and white photography. We'll do the fall colors for um, another lesson. We will uh, do street photography. And, of course, we will do long exposure and night photography. Now, throughout this time, you will have two photo instructors always nearby and always ready to help you. I'll be there and my partner in Christ, Steve Rosenbach, who has the encyclopedia-like knowledge of every photogenic place in New York City, I swear. But we'll both be always nearby to help you. Now, here's the cool thing. At the end of the three days, we will do a half-day session where you can download your images, show us your best, or the ones that challenge you and get feedback on all your images. You get all that, but it will be three days uh, in New York City um, seeing so much and learning. It's going to be a fun time. I'd love for you to come on out and join us. And finally, we will be there May 4 through May 7, 2017. May 4 through May 7, 2017. Get more information at shutterbuglife.com forward slash NYC. Hope to see you there. That's it for this episode, episode 96 of the Shutterbug Life podcast. I hope that was helpful for you. If you enjoyed this episode, you can make sure you don't miss another one by going to shutterbuglife.com forward slash subscribe. And then if you just share your name and email address, I'll shoot you a quick note before each episode so that you don't miss any. If you listen on iTunes or Stitcher, of course, you can subscribe there and be. it would be great if you would leave a, a, a short review as well. By the way, The Shutterbug Life is more than a podcast. We are a community of friendly photographers. We shoot, share, and learn together. 
And I invite you to join us and become one of us. You can join our Facebook group so that you can share in between episodes. Just go to fb.shutterbuglife.com. If you're in the D.C. or New York City areas, you can join our meetup and come on out and shoot and share with us. It's always fun and it's usually free. Ha! <laughs> you like that, huh? Now, if you want to learn, you can learn with me. I do weekend workshops in New Orleans and coming up in New York City with Steve Rosenbach. We are going to learn a wide range of travel photography skills and we're going to travel the entire city. It's a great way to see the entire city and come away with a just a wide range of iconic shots of New York City, and it's going to be just tons of fun. Go to shutterbuglife.com forward slash NYC to learn more about that. And there's so many ways to jump in and share with us. I hope you do, because I really want to learn more about you and what you are working on and uh, how we can continue to learn and grow as photographers together. All right, so take that with you. Have fun this week. Have Create something great this weekend. The world needs to see exactly what you create. Thanks for hanging out with me. Wherever you go, whatever you do, enjoy your Shutterbug life. Take care. Take care.